Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, and my text is found in the verse 78, where we read, Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us. And as that phrase, the day spring from on high, hath visited us, that I want us to consider. Well, boys and girls, if you've ever witnessed a royal procession, you will notice that the queen or king doesn't normally come by themselves. There's normally other people who come with them. Uh, In our day, we will normally see the police going before the king or the queen, making sure that everything is safe and directing them in the right path. We don't see it today, but in olden times, there used to be a person called a crier, one who would declare that the king or queen was coming past to give people notice so they could gather and catch a sight of the king or queen. Quite often these criers maybe would have gone a couple of days in advance to prepare the people that the monarch was passing this way. Today we don't have criers doing that. We have newspapers, TV, radio, etc. to inform us about things that are happening. There's seldom anything spontaneous about a royal arrival. A royal doesn't suddenly decide just to turn up. There is meticulous planning and preparation. Well, if the arrival of a king in past days was met with great fanfare and great proclamations, what about the arrival of a different king? What about the arrival of the one that Psalm 24 calls the king of glory? Should this be an event that passes quietly? Should there be no preparation or even warning that the king was coming? Well, the birth of Christ was not an accident. It was planned by the triune God from all eternity. God had prepared an announcement to be made, but he didn't have this announcement made in the royal household, in the house of Herod. It wasn't declared by the royal monarch himself. God didn't even give this revelation to the high priest of the Old Testament. No, God prepared an announcement to be made by a humble, God-fearing priest called Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist. Zacharias had been visited by an angel. The angel prophesied that in their old age and the barrenness of his wife Elizabeth, that they would have a child. And that this child would be the forerunner, the herald of the Messiah. And that's what John the Baptist was. If you like, he was the the crier who went before declaring that the Savior, the Messiah, was coming. At John's circumcision, Zacharias makes this spirit-filled prophecy concerning John and concerning the Savior himself. And this prophecy of Zacharias, it gives a wonderful title of our Savior. He calls him the day spring from on high. And that's what I want to leave with us just for a few moments here this morning. This great title given to Christ, the day spring from on high. First of all, let's think of the description of uh, the day spring. Now, the word day spring in the Greek, it can also be understood as a rising light, a dawn, or the beginning of a new age. And that's what the Lord Jesus Christ is. 
He is that rising light. He is the beginning of a new age. In some countries in the world, the breaking of the dawn is eagerly awaited, uh, where workers uh, can't do anything in darkness. They're waiting for daylight to come so they can go out into the field and do their work and their business. In our country, we tend to go to bed when it's dark, and uh, quite often in the winter we can get up when it's dark as well, and we have little daylight here. But for those who are working outside, the, the day spring is something they, they await quite eagerly. But this isn't the only reference in Scripture to Christ being the day spring. In Malachi 4 verse 2, we read, But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. So there Christ is referred to as the Son of Righteousness, S-U-N, uh, referring to the physical son. In 2 Peter 1.19, uh, Peter says, We also have a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Christ is referred to as the day star, the sun. Revelation 22, verse 16 I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. What we see throughout scripture is that Christ is not referred to as darkness. He's not referred to as something to be afraid of. No, he's referred to as light. That is what he is. No other person could give the glorious hope that Christ gives to be the light of the world. Not John the Baptist, not Elijah, not David. No, Christ is the light of the world, the one who is able to dispel darkness for all of his people. And think about it. He changed the world dramatically. Not with an army, not with a political ideology, but with himself. Napoleon Bonaparte said that uh, he himself failed to, to do what Christ had done. Christ had conquered the world when he had failed to do that. But Christ was not just the day spring for the Jewish people. He was the day spring for the whole world. The light just didn't shine brightly in Israel. He is the light for all of the world, for Jew and Gentile alike. It's hard to imagine a person being a day spring. It's hard to describe. We know how certain people can change the atmosphere of a room whenever they walk in. Some change it for the better and some change it for the worse. But whenever they come into the room, they change the atmosphere of a room. Some do it by their warm character and their sparkling personality. There are some godly individuals that can come into your life and they can leave the light of the gospel filling your soul. And you know that you've been blessed just from that person walking into the room and their Christ-like countenance. And how much uh, better was the world whenever the Savior himself came in and he lit up the world with the light of his so great salvation that leads us to saving faith in him. So we have the description of the day spring. Secondly, we have the descent of the day spring. Verse 78, Zacharias says, The day spring from on high hath visited us. I notice the significance of the day spring. There had been 400 years of quiet. People had perhaps been thinking that they've been forgotten by God. 
400 years of quiet. God promised a saviour, but where is he? Where is the Messiah? Why, are, why is he tarrying so long? God, God promised the saviour, but men were still waiting. And while they're waiting, men were living in darkness, not able to produce their own light. Didn't matter how hard they tried. There, was no, there is no light that natural man can generate spiritually within his, whole, within his own soul. Men were waiting for the light to come to lead them to God and to his salvation. And this is significant for all the world. If the Savior does not come, if the day spring does not arise and does not visit us, then we continue in darkness and we continue on that broad road to destruction. But the descent of the day spring ushered in a new era. Light causes us to see things that we couldn't see in darkness. I don't know what it's like in your house, but well, I come home quite late at night after meetings and all the lights are out in my house. And I try my best to stumble through the house without uh, wakening anybody. Uh, but my wife always tells me the next morning, you'd just be better putting the light on rather than uh, rattling into everything in the house. Because we need light. Because without light, we, uh, we can't see in the darkness. And given the amount of Lego that's arrived in our house today, I think I might uh, take her up on that offer of putting the light on uh, in the future. Light gives us the ability to see uh, clearer than we ever could before. And it also gives us the ability to see further than we ever could before. And that's what Christ does. He shows us, he gives us, uh, the light of his salvation shows us the ugliness and the heinousness of our sin. The light of his salvation enables us to fix our eyes beyond the here and now and into the very eternity. How many people who live in darkness just live for this very moment without thinking of death, without thinking of the afterlife. Christ ushers in this new era with the light of his salvation. Sadly, man keeps breaking covenant with God. We see that through the Old Testament. God instituted the sacrifices to show men how to worship him, to point them to the coming Savior. But men kept turning away. But Christ here is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament. He is the lamb sacrifice. He is the peace offering. He is the merciful high priest. He is the mercy seat that sinners can come to. So his light is ushering in a new era. In the Old Testament, they saw brief glimpses of Christ through the Old Testament economy. But now, in the New Testament, the light of the world has come and it has lit up the great salvation that Christ gives to his people. But notice also here in the descent of the day spring, we have God dwelling among his creatures. This is what Zacharias say, the day spring from on high hath visited us. It's a personal visitation. It's not just a knowledge of his coming. It is a personal visitation of Christ to this world. That is why he is referred to as Emmanuel, God with us. Again, we have not just been told about Christ. He has personally visited his people. Whenever this light shines, it cannot be denied. Many people in the world, they mock Christianity they say there's no such person as Jesus Christ. He never lived. There is more evidence of the resurrection of Christ than there is of the life of Alexander the Great. And yet we don't hear people today going to great efforts to deny the existence of Alexander the Great. 
but how they rail against our Saviour. They shouldn't. There's, there's an abundance of evidence of his life and his death and his resurrection. But think of the immensity of such an event. Christ coming to this world. The immortal, eternal, immense God came to live on earth as a human. How the limitless God could be limited to a human body is absolutely breathtaking. But this is what Christ did. He became God with us. He visited us as the day spring from on high. And this shows the mercy of God. Verse 78, Zechariah says, Through the tender mercy of our God. Many people today, they say God is not merciful. They say God is unkind. He's unloving. He's uncaring. He's cruel. He's wicked. No. Zechariah says the tender mercy of God. Not just the mercy, but the tender mercy. The gracious mercy of God in sending his only begotten son to come into this world of darkness, to be the light of this world, to be the day spring for this world. Dear friend, we can never doubt the mercy of God whenever we look at Calvary and see that God sent his own son to be the propitiation for our sins, to take our place upon that cross of cruel suffering and to secure salvation and redemption for us. So we have the descent of the day spring. Thirdly, we have the duty of the day spring. Verse 79, to give light to them that sit in darkness. This is what Christ came to do, to give light. He didn't just come to be the light. He also came to give light and he gave to those who sit in darkness. Notice the benevolence here, to give This is what Christ came to do. He didn't come into this world to take. He came into this world to give. And he comes to give light to darkened sinners. He comes to give salvation to those uh, who are steeped in their sin. He gave himself on the cross of Calvary a ransom for many. And he gave his own precious blood, his own life to secure our redemption. But the reason for this benevolence is for those who sit in darkness. If men, women and children were not sitting in darkness, then Christ never would have had to come. There would be no need for the day spring from on high. But because we sit in darkness, because we have sinned against God, and we do sin against God day and daily, he has come to give us uh, his light. And the people who have received his benevolence are sinners. From every tribe and tongue and nation, they are those who have come or who have received of the benevolence of the day spring. But then fourthly, let's note the desire of the day spring. And you'll forgive me for being a bit quick this morning. My throat's um, getting a bit dry. But we'll notice the desire of the day spring. Verse 79, Zechariah says, to guide our feet. Into the way of peace. First of all to guide. This is what light does. Light guides us. Without light we would. uh, We don't realise it. But we need light to guide us. To guide us on our path. And in our journey. Well this is what Christ. The great day spring does. He guides those that sit in darkness. He guides them. By the light of his countenance. Shepherds. They guide their sheep. A lost person will seek a guide to show them their dwelling place. Will Christ, the great day spring, he guides us 
in the ways of righteousness and in the ways of peace. And he does this uh, by his word. The Holy Scripture records for us everything we need to know about salvation. That is why David says, Thy word is a light unto my feet and a, a lamp unto my path, or a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Because God has ordained that in this book everything would be recorded about Christ. Everything would be recorded about salvation and sanctification that we need to know. So here we can't claim to be without light. We have the light of God's word. I remember many years ago being on holiday in one of the Spanish islands. And the tour guide took us into caves. And the further you went into the caves, uh, the, the further away you went from natural light. And eventually the light grew dimmer and dimmer and dimmer until you were in the very heart of the cave and the natural light couldn't reach there anymore and we were left in utter darkness. And it was only that the tour guide turned on a lantern that we were able uh, to see in that cave. And, and so it is that Christ, and she was able to guide us back out of the cave with that lantern again. And so it is for us who are lost uh, in our sin and iniquity, Christ has, he is the, the light. He is that day spring to guide uh, our feet in the way of peace. Not in the way of trouble. Not in the way of temptation. Not in the way of destruction and damnation. No, Christ wants nothing but the best for his people. And he seeks to guide us in the way of peace. But what is the way of peace? Well, the way of peace, dear friend, is believing the gospel. The way of peace is receiving the atonement that Christ uh, freely offers in the gospel. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The way of peace is walking in the path of righteousness. Not saying I want Christ to be my savior, but I also want to live like the world. No, the Bible teaches us that, that God's people are a separated people who follow holiness. The Apostle Paul says, follow holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. The way of peace is being restored back to God from the dark paths of sin. That is what the way of peace is. No longer fighting against God. No longer at enmity against God. We live in a world that is always seeking after peace. Or so they tell us. Peace between nations, peace in communities and societies, peace in the workplace. So we don't talk about anything that might be controversial. But what about peace with God? This is the most important peace. And this is the peace that men should seek after. To be reconciled with their creator uh, through his only begotten son. We're coming to a close here this morning. We wait each day for the day to dawn. But if the, imagine if tomorrow morning dawn didn't come. Well, we would be in great trouble. Our crops wouldn't grow. No sunlight to cause the crops to grow. Our bodies would lack vitamin D. We would stumble about in darkness. It wouldn't be long until all the reserves of electricity were used up. We, in the darkness... We would be a danger and harm to ourselves. We couldn't imagine there not being any light tomorrow. But likewise, if the heavenly day spring did not come, well, sinners would be in terrible trouble. 
they would be facing the wrath and anger of God for their sin. And it would be a fearful thing to imagine falling into the hands of the living God. But, there's, but it's not just a general day spring that was needed in the world. Christ, of course, came to be the day spring from on high. But there needs to be that personal day spring in each of our souls. There needs to be that day spring that shines the light into our souls. Uh, that convicts us of sin and brings us to saving faith in Christ. The day spring from on high hath visited us generally. But the question we need to ask ourselves, has the day spring from on high visited me personally? Have I been born again of his spirit? And as Christians, whatever troubles and trials we face in this life, we do so not in darkness, not absent from God, not strangers to God. But we do so as those who walk in his light, not with him a million miles away from us, but with us. Promising his comfort, promising that his grace is sufficient for us in all of our trials and in all of our tribulations. Zacharias says, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us. What a glorious message. What a proclamation Zacharias give and how it ought to comfort us every day. God has not abandoned us. He has visited us with the day spring from on high. Let us pray.